to the sound of a plane flying over our house. Not my house. I don't live here anymore. Mom's house. You're listening to Grow on the Go. And, and a plane flying over the and, house. Okay, yeah, so that's just a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> now with more plane. <laughs> this, this podcast today is a share show. Yeah. About when you feel invisible. If I were invisible. I think that's probably all I can sing without getting... Getting... Uh, I don't know, in trouble for using a song that we don't have permission to use. It's a Clay Aiken song. Oh, okay. It is not uh, the most savory okay, well, concept. We'll just, we'll just avoid that then. Yeah. Oh, yes, I remember it's that It's very song. voyeuristic and weird. It was weird. Yeah. But speaking of being invisible, <laughs> not in the Clay Aiken way, but yeah, in, in the, have you ever had somebody like talk about you right in front of your face as though you weren't even in the room yeah. or, or made you feel invisible in some way? Yeah. Um, I used to work at a skate shop, and I was the only girl that worked there for quite some time. This is when you're, like, 17. Yeah, 17, 18. So, and for some reason, I I told management, I don't want to be in charge. And they were like, congratulations, you're management. And I was like, (sighs) oh, what? Hello? You can't help but leaders lead. That's what we do. I literally told the leaders I didn't want to lead. And they were like, too bad. Here you go. Um, Anyway, uh... So because I was a woman, people assumed a lot that I didn't know anything about skateboarding. And I don't skateboard, but I do know quite a bit about skateboarding because I love the culture. And so when I would sell a skateboard um, to men, usually, they'd go, is there any way you, you buy all the pieces separately? Like you buy the deck and the okay. grip tape and the wheels and the bearings and the tracks. Um, and then it gets set up for you. And they go, is there anyone here that can set it up for me? And I'd always be like, Me? Because I sold it to you. And I always felt so frustrated that they just assumed that I couldn't figure it out. If I can sell it to you and recommend what kind of bearings you should get, I can put it together. Yeah. Thanks, though. Know how to use a bearing press. Oh, good. I don't even know what a bearing press is. It's literally just like a thing that you push the bearings into the wheels with. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I can put together a skateboard. I've been feeling invisible a lot lately because um, every meeting in the world is taking place over Zoom. Yeah. You don't show up on Zoom? No, I show up on Zoom. But uh, when I try to talk, nobody seems to know I'm talking and I'm not muted. Oh, that's weird. (laughs) Well, I don't have a very big voice. I have quite a weak voice. And it's just so easy for people to talk right over me. It's really frustrating. Oh, shoot. (laughs) I don't like it. Oh, man. Oh, well, have you ever had a time when you wished you were invisible? (laughs) Uh, All of junior high school. All of junior Mm. high school. Um, Yeah, I mean, I put my foot in it all the time. I used to work at a portrait studio as a teenager. I did not have the social skills to navigate that minefield. And so a lot of the time I'd be taking family photos and I'd say to the kid, like, okay, now hug daddy, like nestle into daddy. And someone would be like, that's not daddy. And I'd be like, ha, 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 cool. I'm going to go fling myself into the sun. You guys can see yourselves out. Oh, man. I uh, I was in the ladies' room of a restaurant and I was just coming out of a stall, going toward the sink to wash my hands. And... 
a man walks into the bathroom. Oh, no. <laughs> no, in this case, it was his mistake, not mine. But okay. I have done it. Shoot, I've and done it, too. boy, do you ever... And it was so... This guy was just mortified like he could not disappear fast enough and then of course he ends up seated at a table right beside me and he just wants me to go away yeah he wants to never see another human being i think he actually bought bought me uh, a drink and then he he asked if i was meeting someone and i said yes and he said please don't tell her what happened until i leave that's that's (laughs) very sweet that's actually kind of very heartbreaking it was very sweet he was just he could not have been more mortified so i immediately thought of him when i thought of the idea of you know wishing you were invisible but this this podcast is going to be about those times when we feel invisible Mm -hmm. when we feel misunderstood when we feel powerless i think in the pandemic, there's a, d- a degree to which we all feel somewhat powerless right mm-hmm. now. Well, and we should say that we're recording this um, a while before it airs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're not totally sure what the pandemic looks like right now. But yeah, I suppose it might be totally different. But let's face it, the pandemic has put a stamp on reality that it will be sure here has. for a while. Yeah, right? yeah, Like yeah. it's going to be kind of, was that before the pandemic or after, after the, the pandemic? pandemic. Yeah. Before it's the flood. Gonna be, yeah, it's going to be all, almost like a... a BCAD kind of a kind thing. Kind of. But I don't know that we should go that far. That's a little earth shattering. But <laughs> or, yeah, sure. Or like how things were for people before the war or, or 9-11 you know, or, 9/11. or anything yeah. else that really changed things. Changed yeah. everything. Something yeah. historic. Yeah. So, you know, there are degrees of feeling powerless, right? Like if you, in the pandemic, if, if it's one thing to be asked to shelter in place, if you have a place yeah. <laughs> where you're safe, yeah, right? But what if you're homeless or you're living in domestic violence or yeah. whatever? Um, the woman that we're going to talk about today didn't have a safe place to mm-hmm. go. She truly was powerless. And something that I've learned in my 55-ish year friendship with God is that we are never invisible. Mm-mm. Not to him. Even if no one on earth knows where we are, God still sees us. We are also never completely misunderstood. When not a single human understands our motives, God does. And while we are often powerless, God, who sees us, knows us, and loves us, is not. These, these are realities that are illustrated in this ancient story of a woman named Hagar, unfortunate name in my humble opinion but <laughs> it, it the story took place about 1800 BC and at first glance it appears that Hagar is just sort of a footnote in the epic story of Abraham who was the father of both the Jewish and Islamic religions but we learn through Hagar's story that no one is insignificant mm-hmm. in God's view so here's the backstory. God had promised to give Abram and his wife Sarai more descendants than they could ever count. The problem with the promise was that Abe and his wife were getting pretty old, and yeah. they had no children. And like like 90s and 100s. Yeah, like old, Sarai like super old. might have been growing deaf listening to the sound of her ovaries hardening. <laughs> that's, and, that's and even so Ab- graphic. And even Abram's swim team were well past their best before date. <laughs> <laughs> She's cringing, just so you know. Those of you who can't see her, which is pretty which much Which is everybody. everybody. Yeah, except you. Yeah. 
It's a pretty exclusive group. So Sarai reasoned that God clearly needed their their intervention to make this fertility thing work out. And so she offered her slave girl to sleep with Abe. Insert cringe here. Yeah. That's and and all of it, the owning of slaves, the, the whole thing. The, all right? of it. No so, thanks. Like okay. slavery's bad enough, but add to that insult the injury of her mistress pimping her out to her yeah, husband. Little, and then, like this she can't consent mm, to this. And then claiming her child. Yeah. When she gets pregnant. Have fun. Unfortunately, this wasn't unusual during this no. period of history. And uh, Sarai could do whatever she wanted with her servant. In Sarai's eyes, sending her slave to bed with Abram was a necessary evil. Yeah. Hagar simply had no choice. Yeah. And as far as we know, Abe had the tact to keep his opinion to himself on the whole issue. Yeah. But proliferation, <laughs> uh, fertility, really elevated a woman's worth and social position back then, far more than even today, which mm-hmm. it still lingers on, I think, but especially in some parts of the world. Yep. Even a slave could climb a rung or two on the prestige ladder if she was fertile. And Hagar began to flaunt her ability to conceive in front of Sarai's sterility. That seems like a bad idea. A bad idea on so many levels. That just tells you she must have been young. Probably. Like 19 tops, I'd say. It was a bad idea on so many levels. The least of which is not that she was entirely at her mistress's mercy. Yeah. Maybe she thought that Abraham would prioritize his unborn child above his wife. But if she did think that... She was incorrect. She was mistaken. Yes. Instead, Abraham uh, affirmed Sarai's right to treat Hagar any way she chose. Which, also, not okay, but... No, not okay. And eventually, Sarai became so abusive toward Hagar that the slave girl ran away. The fact that she fled into the desert tells you how bad it must have been. Yeah. Like, it's not like she could just take a bus to the next town and check into the nearest women's shelter. It was almost certain death. It was. She chose death for herself and her child over over life under the cruelty of Sarai. I I can't imagine the desperation she she must have felt. I think the worst thing I can conceive of is to not be able to look after and protect my child. Yeah. And now my grandchild. Yeah. And she was alone. I mean, apart from her young child, she's totally alone. Nobody even knows where she is. Talk about feeling invisible, misunderstood, and powerless. But the beautiful thing about this story is that God saw her. He recognized her desperation and sent a supernatural messenger of some kind to persuade her to go back to Sarai in humility. Now, I don't know what people's thoughts are that are listening about the supernatural. If if your worldview allows for only what can be seen or proven, maybe we've already lost you. But if you can open your mind just a little to the idea that maybe there is a spiritual dimension to life that can't be probed by the scientific method, mm-hmm. you might have a bit of a paradigm shift and be able to appreciate the beauty of this ancient story. So this messenger, Angel, if you like, made Hagar a promise that her son, Ishmael, like Isaac, the son Sarai would eventually conceive, would be the father of a nation. Ishmael fathered the Arabic nations that would eventually embrace Islam, and Isaac would be the father of the Jewish nation. Both religions consider Abraham their patriarch. Well, what a twist in the story. 
When Hagar fled to the desert, she thought she was alone and forgotten, but she was wrong. The angelic messenger reminded her of this when he instructed her to name her son Ishmael, a word which, in the original language, sounds like the words, God hears. Hmm. Naming things in people was a really big deal back then. Yes. Yeah, none of this just changing the spelling of a boy's name and slapping it on a girl and calling it a day. <laughs> like Kevin? Like Kevin? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, so, keeping in mind that naming things was a big deal, Hagar named the well where the angel spoke to her Bir Lahai Roy, which means the living one who sees me. Aww. God knew Hagar would occupy a place of far greater importance in history than she would ever realize. He saw significance in her that she didn't see. Now, you may be wondering at the relevance to your life of a woman who lived literally ages ago. I mean, a lot has changed since then, at least in the Western world. Yeah. But some things have stayed the same. Sometimes we still feel invisible. Have you ever thought felt that way? So unimportant that people seem to look right through you? Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe that hasn't changed. But neither has God. He's changeless. If God noticed a slave girl hiding in the desert, do you think maybe he sees you too? You aren't unimportant or invisible to God. He sees you. He sees you in present circumstances. And he sees your, your significance and potential. In fact, God knows you. The universe and its inhabitants aren't just a big chemistry project that escaped the lab. (laughs) God created each of us intentionally. He designed each of us with creative delight. He knows us as individuals. So how does he know us? Well, first of all, he knows your name. In the Bible, there are many accounts of God calling people by name. He woke up Samuel, just a little kid in the night, by calling him by name. He called Moses by name when he was tending sheep. He also spoke to Cyrus, the Persian king, saying, I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches. I will do this so you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. And why have I called you for this work? Why did I call you by name when you did not know me? It is for the sake of Jacob, my servant." Israel, my chosen one. And Israel, by the way, is also called Jacob, was Isaac's son, so Sarah's, Sarai's grandson. Mm-hmm. Even if we don't know God, he knows us as individ- individuals by name. And secondly, he knows what we need. This is when most of us can think of about a dozen things we need that we don't have. So how does that work? <laughs> Well, what we need and what we want aren't always the same thing. I want potato chips, but I need broccoli. (laughs) I want an easy life, but I need challenges to help me build resilience and remind me to cling to the God who loves me. I'm learning to adjust my desires to what I need, not just what I want. God created us. He knows what we need to be joyful, fulfilled people. Those are the things he promises to provide. One of Jesus' biographers, Matthew, who was the Roman Empire's Empire's version of a Revenue Canada agent. Sure, yeah. He recorded Jesus saying this. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? 
These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your Heavenly Father already knows your needs, all your needs. And then the Apostle Paul said this, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches. When we can learn to trust God and live dependent on him, he looks after all our needs, sometimes in really creative, unexpected ways. Do you remember when we got our new red truck? I do remember when we got our new red truck, the first new vehicle we'd ever owned. Yeah. Do you remember some of the circumstances surrounding that? I remember it was a gift. That's all I really know. It was. We had two really old cars, and we were both traveling and speaking a lot. And Dad didn't tell me how nervous he was about the age of our cars. He was very good at wrenching cars and was doing his best to keep them going. But he remembers saying to God one day, God, I am sorry. Somehow I have not managed money well. And now we have these two old cars that could die at any moment. And then how are we going to get to speaking engagements? Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. Well, while that's going on, I'm out with a friend um, on a speaking engagement, actually. And while we're away together, she says, my husband and I would like to buy you a new vehicle, like a new vehicle. Yeah. Which is not something our family does. No. We buy used cars. And when we got home and told, I told my husband, he's like, what? Like, what does he mean? Just like, does he mean a, like a newer used car? Does he have a a budget in mind? Whatever. I mean, we were given a budget, but it was uh, incredibly far more generous budget. And we were able to buy a brand new car, a truck actually. And then we were able to sell the old two beaters and buy a second car that was a, a better car than than either of them were yeah. individually. It was just such an incredibly personable, personal way of God seeing our needs and meeting them. I mean, who does that? Who says, I want to give you up to X number of thousands of dollars to go buy yourself a new vehicle? Who yeah. does that? Yeah, that's not... And it's, yeah, it's very specific. Mm-hmm. It's I've had people, wonderful, wonderful people say, like... God's put you on my heart to bless you. What do you need? Um, at which point I go like, oh, thank you. I love you. Goodbye. I don't know. It's it's very hard to be on the receiving end of, a, of an outrageous gift. Hard. Well, especially when there's when there's nothing to it. But to be like, we would like to give you a vehicle. Not even just like, what do you need? But like a vehicle. That's yeah. wild. Amazing. So... Yeah, God is very personal in how he meets our needs. Thirdly, I want to talk about the fact that he knows our past. He is aware of our memories and even knows the events in our past that we can't remember, that we don't remember. Yeah. So what that boils down to is we can't shock him. (laughs) While the thought of not being able to hide anything from God in those dark corners of our memories might might feel a little bit uncomfortable to us. At the same time, what could be more comforting than to realize that the one who knows us, literally inside and out, extends his arms to embrace us? That, my friends, is the definition of grace. Mm -hmm. Finally, God knows your future. In fact, he has designed it. He's He has plans that that include you. 
In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans for you, I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. What an incredible thing to know that God is in control. And, you know, it's not all down to our ability to make wise decisions. Thank God for that. Or down to luck. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was I was praying just today about a, a situation in our family that's just really out of control, mm-hmm. out of our control. Yeah. But it's so comforting to, for me to know that it's not out of God's. And it never had to be in our control. No. It's so easy to feel like things are spinning out. Um And as someone who really struggles with anxiety, and I've been diagnosed with a generalized anxiety disorder, uh, along with a cocktail of other things, (laughs) uh, I'm a disaster. Um, I, it is such a gift to have that kind of peace, to be like, it's like when people say everything's going to be all right in the end, and if it's not all right, it's not the end. I don't believe that. That's not no, how I feel. I don't either. Um, it's going to be okay. Shut up. No, you it's don't not. Know that. Get out of here. But um, <laughs> it's a similar sentiment in that it's not up to me to make it okay. Mm-hmm. And I am a part of the plan, and I don't get to see the whole thing. And it might look like a mess, but I'm too close. I don't have the whole picture. Yeah, that's and exactly right. It's difficult. I struggle, and I think a lot of people struggle to surrender that control. But when you do, oh, it's, oh, my goodness. It's, uh, my husband calls it that big piece. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, referring to the scripture that says um, he gives us peace, not like the world gives, mm-hmm. but peace that is beyond reason. Yeah, beyond all understanding. Yeah. Um, there's no reason for you to feel as as calm and safe and secure as you do, but here you are. Mm-hmm. Hmm. He has a, he has a plan to give us a f- the most fulfilling life that it's possible for us to live in our whatever eighty ninety years that we have on this earth. But it's so much more than that. He wants you to joy. Enjoy eternity in another realm where sickness and injustice of every kind have been wiped out. Mm -hmm. Where everyone knows what it is to be seen and known and loved for exactly who they are. God knows us and he wants us to know him. He wants us to choose him and he wants to share eternity with us. Mm -hmm. What an amazing thought. I think... I think the idea of being seen, um, if, if you feel, like, very validated, um, I think all of us, like, struggle with it from time to time. But the idea of being seen, if, if you feel, like, moderately recognized at work and, like, your family pretty much gets you and loves you, like, it, it might not seem like that much of a deficit, but it's, like, getting a gift that is so, like, you never even would have thought to ask for it. And it's perfect. And, and that's similar to the, the story that you told. The car, yeah. Yeah, but it, that's, that's so what it is. Um, I recently, we're, we're recording this before Christmas, and I recently 
had a Zoom call with some friends, and they delivered some gifts to my house, um, like a few of our houses, but my house. And I opened gifts, and one of my friends had gotten all the other girls these really cozy socks. And she got me a book because she knows that I'm very warm all the time. And your apartment is very warm. And my apartment is very hot, and she knows that I hate having hot feet. So she didn't get me socks. And, like, that to me is more touching than the fact that she just got me a gift. Because she really thought about who I am and what I need. And that is so touching Mm -hmm. to me. Um, Even even sometimes the same group of friends, they know me so well... um, Sometimes they will anticipate a joke that I'm going to say before I even say it. <laughs> and they'll preempt me just because they know it drives me crazy. But at the same time, like, yeah, it bugs me because I want to get my joke out. But it feels amazing that they know me so well. Mm-hmm. How great. It, to quote the philosopher, a composer that I don't know. <laughs> okay. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. <laughs> but it's true. Yeah, it is true. You, Everyone wants to belong. Yeah. That's what we're all doing. There's a story you've told a number of times. Millions of times. Um, but it's great. But it is a, such a great story. I mean, talk about being known by yeah. God yeah. and receiving the perfect <laughs> gift. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So I was just out of post-secondary and... Oh, I wasn't going to tell that one. Oh, no? I was going to tell Austra- about Australia. Oh, yeah, Australia. Like, you had just, you'd been in a really dark place. Yeah, okay. Suicidal, so, actually. Yeah, I had I had uh, attempted to take my own life. I had failed, uh, obviously. Um, and I think the next day, I don't remember this very well. I've got a lot of brain fog around this. Yeah. No, it, I think it was the next day. Um, we got a, a call from our youth pastor saying that um, someone had an, an anonymously donated enough money to take two liters and five youth to Hillsong in Australia for a, um, a conference on worship and justice. Yeah, and social, and those are very much mm-hmm. two of my passions. Worship and justice are your passions, and the place you'd always wanted to go was Australia. Was Australia. Yeah. It couldn't have been any more personal. Yeah. And, you know, we had to say to the youth pastor, well, yeah, we'd love for her to be able to go, but you need to know what's been going on in her life. Yeah. And he still felt absolutely certain he, you were supposed to go. Yeah. And so you got to do that, and it was a real life changer for you. It was. It was it was very remarkable and I know you don't remember saying this, but I remember you saying to me it was like God took the paddles to my chest and and jolted me back to life. I don't like I said, I depression is messy and I have a lot I don't remember a lot about that time of my life. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was just such a personal gift. It, it was, was all the things that mattered to you. Mm-hmm. It was an amazing, amazing it thing. And really such a gift was. to me as your mom. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that and and God does things like that. He he drops things in my lap like that more times than I can count. And usually when I'm very depressed, so unfortunately, there's a lot of things I don't remember. Um, well, and you know, maybe what we should say to our listeners is just keep, really keep your eyes open uh-huh. for ways that God is showing you that He knows you. Yeah, He loves you. 
you are not invisible. No. He knows your name and he, he cares about you so much. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really good place for us to wrap up mm -hmm. for today. I think we should remind everybody, though, that um, we have social media accounts for Grow on the Go we now. Do. So we want you to like us and share us. Yeah, on Instagram, it's Grow on the Go Pod. On Twitter, it's something else, I think. I don't know off the top I'll of my head. Start with Grow on the Go. You'll probably get there. <laughs> You'll figure it out. Um, and Facebook. Yeah, do check and us we out. we do love to hear from you. Yeah, please uh, get in touch with us on any of those. Um, but that's it for today. My name is Kevin Pankhurst. And I'm Donna Carter, inviting you to grow on the go. Thanks for listening to Grow on the Go. Share this episode on social media and find more great programs at faithstrongtoday.com. 